Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guests. And I have to tell you, I'm uh, flying out tomorrow to see the lovely Joanne. And I always laugh because I take this shuttle, and I live in Burbank, and I get a $20 shuttle to LAX. I would ask my friends, but I fly so much. You know, you always owe your friends everything when they fly you. But this shuttle, I swear to God, not one of them has shocks and I swear they're driving and like every woman is having an orgasm on the uh, on the shuttle and you know the one lady in the back is faking it and uh, you always get to the airport they pick you up and you have to pick other people but I get to the airport like two hours earlier so I do people watching well I would I would watch you know some stuff on my uh laptop but the LAX the Wi-Fi sucks you get like signal like you can't even see you sit there for a second you're like I'm watching the beginning of my friend's movie and all of a sudden 10 minutes in it just freezes up but what I love about the airport is two things one I love the douchey business guy who they think they always first of all they always get there and they go can I get in front of you I I only have 10 minutes to get on my flight which you laugh you like time it better but I love when I get to my seat and I see these guys running and always this (laughs) fat guy in a tie he's not gonna make it and I just laugh. And the other thing I hate is, and I, I fly Virgin all the time. I have my seat assigned. I'm not flying Southwest. Virgin Airlines is great. But what I hate is, as soon as I'm, I, for some reason, I'm always in like group E or D. But I know I always book my flights to see Joanne. I sit in seat 12C or 12D, the aisle. I always, I've always gotten those rows. But people start crowding the gate like right before and it's like what is your rush a big gold I'm, rush I'm like, yeah i mean so yeah so i know kiwi you fly a lot my mm-hmm. guest today is kiwi rogers how you doing kiwi good man i met and i met people i met kiwi well first of all i i knew i had known of kiwi's name but then when todd sawyer was on he had mentioned that he was uh writing some stuff with kiwi right. and then i was at the ice house and i started talking to him and i said you gotta come on the show <laughs> so so we can say you, you fly a lot absolutely i just flew virgin where, where, where from <laughs> uh from fort lauderdale how did that go? Uh, just what you just described. Um, now, I'm, I like Virgin. I fly up to Seattle every year, and I fly Virgin most of the time. But you know what ticks me off about Virgin? What the heck made them think it was a good idea to put a touch screen in the heads, in your head, in the, the headrest to where people are t- 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 tapping on the screen and bopping you in the back of the head. Then they have the redundancy and have it right down in the armrest. But people don't use that. It's tap, tap, tap. And they don't know. You can use your fingernail and it's more sensitive. If you use your fingernail, bam, it works. Perfect. I bet you're right because sometimes I feel it's bad and I feel bad that I'm doing it. I don't touch people. I mean, I try to make as little noise as possible and, and disturb the person in front of me. I'm just considerate that way, hoping that the person sitting behind me has that type of consideration. Well, see, I used to always take the red eye. They don't mm-hmm. do it anymore. And it would always be empty, so I'd have no one around me. I mean, right. the half plane's half full. And what I loved about the red eye was I would put on a Law & Order uh, SVU on USA Network, and then I'd doze off for like two hours, and Law & Order uh, <laughs> CI would be on. All right. But uh, I love, I love, but I also, you might notice if you fly Virgin a lot. Do you ever have sometimes when half their channels go down like i was flying back last year it was the yep. baseball playoffs i'm going tbs i'm going to watch five hour flight to philly i'm going to watch at least two playoff games right and it always has that picture not available to get the channel right. so it's trying to sync up it's trying to sync up with the satellite now you were in fort Lauderdale. were you doing a cruise yeah i was on the uh the allure of the seas royal caribbean's biggest well it's actually the biggest ship in the world now is that the one that has the comedy club in it or, absolutely so there's a headliner and a feature or stuff well, like that or? they just do they book it as two headliners but uh most of the time one act is stronger than the other so they make you go last because they just want the show to build correctly 
uh, but it's not billed as an opener. It's not billed like a regular show. It's just as two headliners. But do you do one show a night? or Oh, t- you do two on five nights and three on two nights. See, that's amazing because a lot of times they say, like, on the cruise ships, comics will love the cruise ships because you do, like, one clean show, one dirty show, and you're done. That industry has changed considerably. Okay. Um, a clean show on the regular ship, you do a welcome aboard. You could do a farewell. Those are both clean. But clean is also taking it right up to the edge without crossing over. And then your dirty show, uh, you can go okay. as far as you want to go. And it's, it's, a big, it's, it's changed a lot because I, I remember never wanting to ever do cruise ships because I remember them, everybody saying, oh, they control you and tell you how to do your sh- perform and all that kind of stuff. Big change now. Okay, but that's good. That's good for the comics. It's, it's definitely cool, now, man. Now, I was reading up for, on you. You know, you grew up in the projects? Yeah. Okay, in what area? South Central. Okay. It's, it's always weird because, you know, I know I grew up in uh, Philadelphia. I knew a lot of comics from the projects in Philadelphia. And it's just weird the difference of the projects in back east because the, they're the big tenements here. Yeah. It's neighborhoods. And when I moved out here, people were like... They go, it's not like Philly. You won't know when you're in a bad neighborhood. R- you'll drive, then you'll sit there and go, like I always say when you drive through Van Nuys, all of a sudden, all the signs become Latino. That's right. You drive it, and there's check cashing places. Yeah, absolutely. That's when you know you're in a bad neighborhood. When you got a Knicks check cashing yeah. and a rent a <laughs> rent a center. <laughs> you know what someone also told me? This is true. They said, if you notice in, in the areas that are a little worse or lower income, there's a, in that area, there's a lot more fast food right there. Oh, yeah. Like I live in Burbank, and I, I walk right. down downtown there's nothing i mean there's right. a tommy's on this side but it's crazy well that's what they were saying about all the the the, the ghettos and neighborhoods in south central uh liquor stores per capita are um what i mean i remember where i grew up i could tell you one two three within 100 yards four liquor stores that's unbelievable four it's, it's crazy now now you're the youngest right second second youngest second okay. youngest. now growing up did you have uh, humor in your house where did you watch uh comics on tv or was your family funny or what made you sit there and what do you think made you be, start to become funny i know you went to college and you had yeah. a job and stuff like that but when you were a kid did you ever think you'd be a comedian or did you ever make people laugh oh made people laugh all the time when you're the um uh the one that gets picked on the most often in the family. Okay. You tend to be the funniest one to try to deflect some of that. But uh, I can remember distinctively when my mother got Richard Pryor's album and me hearing it, and they would have those little listening parties where they would play their album and all of her, girl, her girlfriends and maybe friends would sit downstairs and we had to stay upstairs. Okay. And they'd listen. And I was on the top of the stairs and listening to Richard Pryor for the first time. And I was blown away. I was laughing so hard. You know what's funny? I mean, I don't know. How old are you? 50. Okay, I'm, I'm 49. I'll mm-hmm. be 50. So, you know, I was watching this uh, Showtime show um, documentary called uh, Omit the Logic. It's about, it's about Richard Pryor. Mm-hmm. It just came out. And what's funny about that was, and I've, I've forgotten about the Richard Pryor TV show. But, um. <laughs> but I forgot all about that. But what's amazing was, and I grew up in a, I was like the non-Jewish guy in a town. Mm-hmm. I was like 85% Jewish. But I remember when uh, Live at the Sunset Strip came out. Yep. The theater was honestly packed with, this is how great Pryor was. It was packed with, packed with probably 15 to 18-year-old white kids who were just dying. And that's, that's like, with Pryor was just so amazing. And yep. when you listen to him, you're like, wow. It's like, I mean, Carlin was good, and but early Carlin was very more 
you know, tongue in cheek, like yeah, semi bone. Right, right. But Pryor just hit it, and watching this show, just showing how he developed his act was amazing. So he was an influence on you when you were oh, younger. Oh, huge influence, man. I mean, I used to, I recorded that album, and I remember in fourth grade. Did you play the cassette? Had the quiet? cassette no, and had an earbud you, in my ear. No, because remember you used to record your. Remember yeah. you record. You put Absolutely. the album on. Right. And you put the. You tell your brother, shut up. Quiet. We're, ta- we're taping. Sit it right next to the speaker, <laughs> and recorded it and had it at school. Man, I still to this day remember. I still have that album memorized. Really? Yep. It's amazing. So, so you love Pryor. But then, so you're in school though. Now, did you ever get on stage, or did you? Were you doing Pryor's act at all? The never, kids just never, listen to it. Never. So you, um, it wasn't until I went to uh, DeVry. I got a degree in electronics back in the '80s, and um, I was working on computers in Orange County. And I had, you know, I would clown at work and stuff like that. I took the clowning to another level at work. It wasn't so much in school. I was clown, you know, funny in class and stuff like right. that. But never like when I got to work working in Orange County had a, you know, we got we had a white, black, Mexican and uh Vietnamese workers and stuff. Small company, but we used to just we were close knit and we'd have fun and I okay. was always making fun of people. And I would come up with some stuff and then they started telling me, "Man, did you just make that up?" And I went, "Yeah, yeah." And he says, "You you ever try stand-up comedy?" And I went, no, man, I've never, you know, stand-up comedy. They kept doing it. It was like six They kept years. keeping on you, like, keep going, and you wouldn't. But it was joking. And but, see, they did it in a joking manner. So I took it as okay. a joke. And it wasn't until my buddy, uh, Devon, had gone to the uh, Whittier Hilton, and um, uh, he saw a comedy show, and he came back the next day, and he told me that they had an amateur show after that comedy show, and he said, you're ten times better than those guys you got to do it. Okay. And the way he just, just like that. So he. And I was like, okay, I'm going to go. And I went the following week. Rick Corso. You know Rick Corso? You know what? He uh, he was the guy with the big nose. Yeah. Do I just worked thing. with him on the ship, as okay. a matter of fact. Because I remember his, when he used to come into Philadelphia, he used to go out or was engaged or married to this girl named Dorothy. Oh, uh, yeah. She worked at the Improv here. Cause, okay, because she used to work at the Funny Bone in That's Philly. Right. Dorothy Haas. Yep. She had dark hair and glasses. Yep. Real nice. Mm-hmm. From Nebraska or mm-hmm. something. Yeah. Okay. So he he's was, visiting her right now. How ironic you would say That's that. so funny. That's <laughs> he's so funny. He's visiting her right now. Because he's going to Vegas to work this week uh, at. Um, no, he lives in Florida though. Doesn't yeah, he? he lives in Florida. Okay, so you so he you saw him on that show. He or? was the headliner that night when I went in. I saw he, Rick was headlining, and you know what? Uh, uh, Judd uh, Judd Judd Apatow yep. was opening. See, that's so funny. That's that guy I told the comic the other yeah. night back Apatow, years ago. Yeah. Judd, I was a feature, and Chappelle was the host uh. in DC, <laughs> and but Chappelle was sixteen at the time, right? So Apatow, so did where did you say so did you sit there and did you dig the I show? I was blown. You know, it was scary as hell. I'm looking at these guys who are you know got savvy. They have stage presence. You know, no fear. And I'm going to do this amateur thing after, and I've never been on stage. Now, did you write an act? Out oh, or? I'd written an act uh, uh, the the previous year, okay. and they signed me up for an open mic at the Laugh Stop in Newport. And when the date came, I chickened out. All right. So I still had it. I had rehearsed it. So when I went to this thing. I was ready, and I entered a competition and won, and won three weeks in a row, and then pff, I took off. So what? Did, I mean, as when you say you take, you took off, you started going to the different every different clubs freaking or? club I could find. I mean, it was finish work, go home, change. And I lived in Orange County, so I was coming up to Hollywood Laugh Factory, getting in line, going to the comedy store, getting in line. I was finding any little open mic I could, and then. Um, 
because of that. And I really, I was, I, you know, in retrospect, it was a lot of work and hard work, um, but it was doing what I had to do. Right. And, and I had the passion. You know, you get that, that bug for laughter, and it's a sickness. You know how it was when you first started out. You start writing, and you're trying stuff out, and you're always on. You're trying stuff. And, see, and, and then once you finally get it all together, then you turn it off. I still know people, and I'm sure you do, who just... As soon as you say, hey, man, do that one bit, bam, and they're on. Well, you know what's funny? I, I'd gotten out of the business for 12 years, mm-hmm. and, um, and but I, I, I was writing with a comic, very good friend of mine, who uh, got out of the business, but he had done HBO, he had done Tonight Show, all that stuff. I worked at a website with him. And what's funny is he wasn't always on, but whenever you talk, he would stand up, because you're, you're so used to that, right. that you know he would sit there in the office and be like, hey, Jeff, sit down. You, know, you, don't, you don't have to stand <laughs> up. You know? so, so you start hitting the clubs. Now, when, when do you start feeling like you're making some progress? I mean, uh, I mean you know, you're, you're waiting in line, you're doing the, probably the three-minute sets. Mm-hmm. When does it start changing when you sit there and all of a sudden you can do a longer set? Or, do you remember that first yeah. letter who gave you a chance? Excuse me. It was um, the laugh, sta- laugh Stop in Montclair, California, and it was Adam Berenson was a club owner or manager. He used to let me come up there, and I would always enter the amateur contest, and if you won, you got to be do a guest spot on the real show. Okay. And I remember going there and winning, and then he says, okay, you're getting close enough to where you can MC." And then so he let me start emceeing. I started emceeing, and I was just constantly writing. And it was when I was working with um, Steve Odekirk. He wrote Ace Ventura, okay, yeah. among other things. Uh, he was a headliner. I was the opener, and it was, uh, I forget who the feature was. And I was working so hard, and I blew the feature away. Okay. I never asked ever to be moved up to the next level to feature and all that so I've, through my career. I never, hey, you think I can middle now? Never asked. I just kept working. And um, after that show, uh, there were people who came up and said, man, you were freaking fantastic. And Steve Odekirk was like, wow, man, in your opening? And they told Adam and then bang. And the next, I got popped up to the next and I was like, okay. And it was feeling good. I mean, I was, I had a tight seven no, I had tight 10 minutes. Okay. Tight 10 minutes. And it was a killer 10 minutes. Well, by that, by standards of that day. <laughs> if I look right. back on it, I'm like, holy crap. Now, now you sat there. Now, now do you, once you start like featuring in that club, do you decide to take your out work, uh, road, your show out in the road? Or nope. do you start hitting the clubs in LA? Are you, Just, are you, are you getting better stage time at the, the other clubs yeah, now or not? I'm getting better stage time moving around Los Angeles. Start getting into the. The way I got into the improv, actually, is uh, Dave Becky was the manager of um, the uh, Irvine Improv. Now he's Tri-Arts, right? Yeah, he's Tri-Arts. Three Arts. Three Arts. Three Arts, right. And um, it would happen to, I was arm wrestling. I was in a full competition arm wrestling back in this day also. And I was remember being at the, uh, this, the Long Beach Convention Center, and I was in an arm wrestling competition. And then they had the comedy competition there, too, so I entered both things. Okay, that's funny. I took first place. Left and right in arm wrestling, and then went over and did the comedy thing and won the comedy well, that's competition. That's funny. And then uh, my buddy who was with me, he says, "Man, I'm going to Vegas. I'm doing a showcase for this guy named Steve Sharippa at the Riviera from uh, yeah. later from the Sopranos." Well, that's yeah, absolutely. He was uh, actually the, the the manager at the the Riv. I said, "I'm going with you." So I said, "I'll drive." We drove up. He did a showcase, 
And I was like, wow. And I talked to Steve after. I said, you think I can, I, can I do a showcase for you? He said, yeah, you want to do the same thing? He said, call me up this week and, and uh, we'll set up. I called him, went back the following week, did my showcase for him. He liked it so much. He called, it was Deborah, 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 I can't remember her last name, who worked at Melrose. She, um, she called Bud and they booked me back in Vegas for my okay. first True road gig. And I remember $778 for the week and 21 shows. It was three shows a night back then. Wow, that's crazy. And I was like, oh, this is freaking great, you know? And I worked with um, Randy Credico, Carrie Snow. Carrie Snow was on a show a while ago. Is that right? Have you ran into her lately? Uh, no, I haven't. She uh, lost we, a ton of weight. I know that. A ton of weight. She got married. Credico, I just saw, it's funny, I didn't know him, but I just saw the... Uh, on Netflix, there's a documentary about him. Oh, really? Because he's uh, he got out of comedy. He's like a political activist. Is that what he's doing? Because I guess I guess he was did something on the Tonight Show that pissed people off. Mm-hmm. It's weird. I knew the name, and it's very. That's one thing about Netflix. You can always find like cool documentaries. But yeah, he was just now he's like this big political activist and just got out of business. I guess he pissed off Carson and then sort of blackballed himself somehow because he was trying to be too <laughs> political. So so you do the Vegas improv. Now, yeah. now, where do you go from there? Do you, you come back and start, do you get spots at the improv here? Or? Here's, what, here's the funny thing about that. I go down to try to get a spot down at the Irvine Improv. And I talked to Dave Becky down there. And I said, hey, I'm working for Steve Sharippa up in Vegas. You think I can come down here and do a, a guest spot for you or work for you? And he says, you know what? Uh, yeah, have Steve call me and I'll give him a, and if he gives a good re- recommendation, I'll I'll put you on. I didn't know they were feuding uh, at the time. Dave Becky, what happened is Steve Sharippa had sent some guys down to Dave before and said, told him, yeah, yeah, put him up. And Dave said, no, I'm not doing it. And Steve got pissed because, you know, he put his reputation. Said, yeah, right. I can just guys. And so they wouldn't talk. And then I'm like, holy shit, man, what am I going to do now? Right. So Dave said, yeah, have Steve call me. And then I called Steve. Steve said, I'm not calling that mother. And he said, you tell him he gives me a call. And I was like, God. So now I'm playing this game. You're stuck in the middle. I'm stuck in the middle. I said, okay, what can I do? What if I call him, put you on three-way? He says, Kiwi, have him call me. And that's the only way it's going to have. He's got to call me. And I'll be damned. Dave Becky gave him a call. And then they put you on. And got me down to Irvine, Irvine, Brea, and then went to Washington, D.C. to do the uh, improv in D.C. And um, I, I was just, that was 94. Okay, so you were starting to, you were starting to go on the road. Yeah, and that's did, when I got laid off from the job the year before. And um, I had uh-huh. an offer from Kodak Imaging Systems in uh, Rochester, New York. Okay. And I turned it down. I said, I'm going to go ahead and try this comedy full hand. So did you just start hitting the road big time then? Uh, I was doing local stuff a lot. And I was doing uh, working with a buddy of mine who had a car um, accessory company in Orange County. And that would supplement my income. But I was starting to make, you know, getting it to where I'm making six, $700 a week here and there. And in local stuff, I was going out so much. I was making that little bitty, you know, money. And it was all adding up. And it was... Um, then after that, I was doing, remember, um, Annie Albrecht, Chris Albrecht's right, wife, who, Chris Albrecht used to be the president of HBO, and Bob Reed, who's now the, um, he's a talent booker at The Tonight Show. 
uh, Bob was with, with another agent, a management company, and he and Annie Albrecht were forming a company, a management company, and they were looking for talent. Okay. Somebody told him about me. Bob knew about me, so I went showcase for them, and I was still re- relatively green. I was still doing open stuff, and uh, I did the showcase. Bob didn't want to go with it, and Annie says, no, I see something there. And it was from that point, 1994, 95, that things started clicking. Um, once they put me out on the road, I started growing exponentially. Now, <clears throat> you did says you did the Tonight Show in 96. Mm-hmm. Now, how did that come about? Did that just did they know you from being on the road or did they know you from here yeah. or because your your management or how did that happen? Did the Aspen uh, US Comedy Arts Festival in Aspen okay. in 96 and I was on New Faces and then they did a big article. They wanted to, the LA Times wanted to do a huge uh, an article on one of the New Faces and I was chosen because um I was doing well in the New Faces talent search up there in Aspen, and they interviewed me, and I came back from there, and the article was in the newspaper on Sunday, and holy crap, I got back, everybody knew who the hell I was, everybody. I had interviews and meetings and auditions, agents lined up, can we represent you? I mean, everybody. What was that like, though? I mean, it was a little intimidating. Absolutely. Because you're coming from, you know, you're basically, you're on the road, and then all of a sudden, it's like all this stuff is coming down. Dude, I didn't have any acting experience at that time. I I went to Hollywood High School, and I was, I remember taking a semester of drama and not, and then not doing it anymore. And I regretted that so much, because I wanted it, but I was so involved in sports and band and stuff. And I got back to Hollywood. And everybody, you know, I'm going on these auditions and stuff like that. And granted, I did well on some, but others, I just, I was intimidated when I'd go into a room and I'd see all these actors that I've been watching on television for right. years. I'm like, how the hell am I going to beat this dude out? You know, this is an established actor. And that intimidation factor, uh, seeing producers, everything in the in the room, and that, I was out of my element. I was nervous as Shit, and needless to say, I probably screwed up a lot of auditions. Now, you said you got a development deal? Yeah, I had a, uh, with uh, Castle Rock Entertainment. Was, was that right after Aspen? Or? Right after after Aspen. And now back then, they would just sit there and they'd give you money yeah. and go, okay, now, and what do they do? Tell listeners what do they do. They just tell you to develop something or what? Uh, no, no, I had, um, they list, they, they, I told them my story. They looked at my act, and then, um, they started saying, okay, we could develop something. I had two development deals, one with MTM and one with Castle Rock. Castle Rock was the big one. And Castle Rock had brought, um, said, okay, uh, they saw the heat on me at the time and they were interested. So they found a, a showrunner and they got him in there and they had him look at my tape and, s- and said, can you write for this guy? And he said, yeah, I got the idea already. And he wrote out this idea of a show and got Robert Culp. Bob Culp, who was, um, you remember, yeah, I, I Spy, spy oh, yeah. with Cosby. And so we were we met. I got to meet Robert Culp, and we started uh, collaborating. They had the, the show idea. What was the idea of the show? The idea of the show, he was an ex-president. I was this uh, ex-baseball player who uh, went back to my hometown where um, Robert Culp was from earlier. And Robert Culp was in his older days and stuff. Like I went back to town. I had a, a some kind of a... Injury to where I couldn't play anymore, but I had tons of money. So I go back to town. The town that I grew up in has just gone to crap. Okay. Right? And I said, you know what? I'm gonna, I see the corruption. I'm going to turn it around, but I don't know any political stuff. Robert Culp has been a president 
and he was modeled after Ronald Reagan in right. the sense he knew politics, but he had no people skills. I had great people skills. So okay. we were going to teach each other how to be, and he was going to help me be successful in that, and I was going to help him be a person again. We had uh, Lark Voorhees, who was um, uh, Saved, on, by the Bell. Saved by the Bell. She was uh, going to be cast as my love interest, and had a, I forget who the wife was, but the dynamic was we were going to be, it was comedy off of Culp and I. Okay. You know, me growing up there, coming from where I came from, and his high society type life. It was like the hood meets high society. And um, it was going freaking great. <laughs> it was going so well. And I'm like, this is too easy. I've only been in comedy now, what, two, uh, three years? Barely three years. And here I am with this freaking deal. Right, and with Robert and, Culp. And, and Robert Culp. And I'm like, oh, man. And I'm just, I could... I knew right then, I said, this is how people lose perspective and get cocky. And I knew it. And uh, yet it's still, I still was finding myself doing, hey, man, right. you know, doing that. And um, I said, this is too easy. And it just so happened the showrunner at the time was contracted. We were doing this with, a, with, in, with CBS or NBC, one of the two. And the showrunner who was trying to do my show was contracted to the other network. And he was trying to do it on the sly. Okay. And the other network caught it, caught, got wind of it, and shut the whole thing. He wouldn't give the show idea away. And house of cards. So it just disappeared. It just disappeared. I got a big check, basically, to do to go into meetings. So you didn't, never even got to a pilot or anything? Not get, Didn't even get to I was just I just watched it crumble. <laughs> now, what about the other development deal? Other development deal was a lot around my um, about my act and my cheap dad, and we had Sherman Hemsley, who was gonna they were casting as my dad. It was gonna be Sherman Hemsley, or it was gonna be um, da -da -da -da, Good Times Dad, God, John Amos. John Amos, and I was like excited for either yeah, one of these they're both two great, guys. Especially at our age, we watched them. I mean, that was absolutely. You watched them on the same night. You it was like Saturday night. It was absolutely. Weezy, bingo. <laughs> And um, what happened with that, it was a smaller little deal with MTM, and the de we got the show written out and everything, but then it just fizzled out, and they didn't have any interest. And I was like, okay, let's go. So during all this heat, you know, all this stuff was going on, and I, we, I'm going to get back to the Tonight Show. Did Because you were known from the article and that, is that how you ended up on the Tonight Show? Hang on, I'm sorry. We did get off track. No, no, uh, no, it's fine. No, I, yeah. it's, no, I, I was just thinking, no, because it, it would make sense. Yeah, that it, was, there, it was the article. Okay. And I got back to town, Letterman's people, they wanted me to come. They said, hey, come and do the Tonight We want you to do Letterman. And I was like, oh, cool. But then the Tonight Show called, and they said, Letterman was in a month. They said, the Tonight Show said, if you turn down Letterman, we'll put you on next week. So this was during that whole war. It's like <laughs> the whole like, like the night shift, the movie. Just, it was just like So it. they just said, if you turn down Letterman, we'll have you on next week. And I'm like, and my manager said, yeah, dude, dude, Jay. And I was like, okay, I'm following my, you know, follow the instructions, and bam. And that's how I got the Tonight Show. Were you really nervous when you're doing oh, that? Oh, dude. Um, as, as cool as I was in the dressing room, Jay came in and tries to chill you out. And Grant, yeah, I'm still young, new at this, as, as a comic, just getting out of electronics. Came in and I chilled out. And I was good. And... They said, okay, you're on next. And I'm still fine. Everything's cool. I got to the door. They said, hold right now. We've got four-minute promo. 
And I said, four minute promo? Okay, that means com- commercials. For me. right, right. That was the longest freaking I could imagine. four minutes of my life. I'm standing there waiting. And then he says, This next guy coming at the stage, right? You know, keep your new comment. Please welcome Kiwi Rush. And I looked up and I saw a monitor, and it was of me. I'm seeing me walking out. <laughs> Wow. To the stage. And I'm like, holy crap. And then I walked out and I look at the audience and it was absolutely surreal. I see this audience and then I look over to the right and there's Jay sitting over there. And I'm like, okay. And I walk up, I hit my spot. And it took me a good 45 seconds to relax, start relaxing. And when I got the first big laugh, I, I, I kind of calm, I started calming down. But, um, now, did you use the cue card? I mean, some people use nah, cue Some people use, use monitors. You just did. No. Nah. Yeah. And you know what? I thought I, I thought I was going to forget my act. That's, that's what say, people say. What, um, so, but now, did you, they go through what you, you can say, right? Oh, yeah. So, they go through it. And you know what? I got away with um, saying shit on there. Really? Yeah. And, but it was so muffled. I didn't even realize it. My buddy calls me up after the show aired. He said, Kiwi, did you just say shit on national television? And I'm like, no. And so I play it back. And I said, and shh. And it barely, it tails off. But I, it came, it, I said it. So at tonight's show, mm-hmm. do you start hitting the road again or do you try to get acting or did you take acting classes? or? Uh, I was, yeah, after that, I'm in acting class like crazy. Um, and I'm still doing work uh, and I'm getting more club work. In the area or are you uh, going area on the road? and on the road. Uh, but not going too far. I'm hitting, um, you know, I'd go to the East Coast, but most of the stuff was here close to the West. And um, and and then I started, was and then I get a college agent right then. Okay. Now, so how, I, you're what, like 33, 34? Uh, 34. Okay. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I get Joey Edmonds. My agent manager sent a tape to Joey Edmonds' agency, and he said, yeah, I'd love to have him. Got me on his roster, submitted me for these NACA, the NACA um, um, conventions. So and what happens when you go to NACA? You do what, a few minutes or how's um, it work? You go on, you do uh, 15, 20 minutes and um, you showcase for, it, it, there are regions all over the country and then there's a one big national that happens uh, every year, every time they do it. And the national is what you really want to do and because almost everybody around the country comes to the national. And uh, the regionals are cool if you want to develop yourself. So you got the northeast, you got the uh, north. I mean, you got northeast, you have northwest and southerns of both. Of them. If you got the Midwest regions, you had high plains, um, which of the mountains areas, all right. right. And I was started out on the west coast doing some of those regions, and I was just doing what was called the just a spot, and I was getting dates like crazy. And then he says, "I'm going to submit you for MC," and I'm like, "MC, okay." So I'm just gonna host it, plus I'm gonna do my act. I'll do my act, then I'll introduce an act, and then in between acts, I get to do more time. So they get to see a lot of me, and they also get to see my hosting. At NACA. At NACA. Okay. So what the schools say, they say, oh, he can come into our school and either perform or he can host our event. And so it, it played out like that. I did a lot of hosting at schools for their different events, talent shows and stuff like that. Now what, Joe, you do your act when you host? Or no, you just... I can play and riff and just, they. some of them wanted me to just absolutely rip on the talent show when they were doing talent, uh, doing uh, whatever they wanted to uh, display, singing or dancing or whatever, comedy, and critique them harshly. And um, so I was able to do that type stuff and and have fun. 
And I would also interject some of the comedy, my my acting there sometimes. Now, when you do, when you would do the comedy, you would just be you, right? Yeah, it would be just me. You're contracted to do 60 minutes. Now, yeah. how is that? Because I, mean, I always think, you know, like someone said, oh, you should do colleges. And I'm like, I look like I could be one of their professors. You know, it's just a different generation. I mean, was it weird? Because there is a generation or lap. I mean, you're still 15, 16 years older. I mean, was it, what, how did you feel that? I was fine then because, um, um, heck, I'm 5'0 now and people still think I'm freaking you know, way younger than I am okay. right now. And so at, 30 whatever I was at that time I they thought I was you know just yeah, okay. older 20s or whatever and plus my act was was geared around that and I was talking about stuff that they could relate to but after doing it for what how many 10 years how many years of college I think I did 10 years of it you did so you did it for a long time and people say oh man make the money and and just it's gonna fizzle out after four or five years man I had a run where I was doing 60 I did 100 schools in a year twice and then i was like i can't do that many it's killing me it's it's i mean because you do it's a hundred that's one third of the year yep and now when you would would you fly out come back fly out? i mean they're not or they all i mean some but that's would, that's that's in you're also in the middle of school year so you're yeah. not going to summer right so that's a lot of work it's a lot of work and a lot of freaking money i've heard i yeah. made i made uh seven figures doing colleges now did you uh was it just burning you out though Oh man, I got absolute. It was so I got so burned out to where I went and hosted a NACA convention, and on stage, I said, "You know what, guys? I said I can't do this anymore." I told them right there on stage, and I said, "I'm I'm done." I said, "I'm not. I don't money. People think money is everything. I had a ton of money in the bank, and I was not happy. Right? I was not happy, and I wasn't feeling any growth." in the field because basically all you're doing is going to pick up a check and then you go to a hotel go to you go eat go to a hotel sleep wake up drive to the next one you want to rest when you get there go do the show and it's like bam 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 and you know not having any t really time to sit down and write it reevaluate what you're doing and it was it was like that and it was like that for a long time and i just i tried to decrease i started decreasing more and more i raised my price my agent raised my price and they kept freaking paying same, but you were out in the road, so you weren't really back here right. burning your uh, acting burning, or anything like that. Burning, screwing that. Yeah, I was still getting parts uh, on television, but I, you know what? It's a trade-off. You go out and make the money that's guaranteed, or you come back here and take the, make a chance. You know, take a chance at making some money. And so it was. Um, I can't say that I, I squandered it because I made. You know, there was a means to an end. I bought my house and all that kind of stuff, but. Uh, if I would struggle, had the struggle to sit here in town and just make it, it could have been different. Okay. You know? So you sat there, so now what were some of the acting gigs you did? I mean, I see you have a few different, uh, what, what was it, for, was, this, was it the first gig you got was Home Improvement? First gig I got was a um, movie uh, called The Amati, I mean, it was uh, Romeo and Michelle's High School Reunion. Okay. I never saw that. Like, yeah. Some people love that. I just, I, I just never, I watched, <laughs> I just never got, like, I know people would love it, and I was right. just like... And I like both of them. They're both. Right. They're both. I just never. Now was. You know, how did that come up? I had an audition. I was in town, and um, they had a, my my agent call. Said, "Hey, we got an audition for you for this Rolling Michelle's over at Disney." And I went in and read for it, and then I got a call back, and then I got another call back, and then bam, I had it. Now, were you nervous about that because it was your first movie set, or I mean, I mean, nah. no. So mm -mm. I had auditioned now quite a bit. 
and so I was getting more and more used to it. Uh, depending on the type of situation, whether it's dr- dramatic or comedic or episodic or something like that, you never. Um, th- I, I, I certain things I was able to just really just grasp. You know, comic timing or certain thing. This was just a funny little part in that movie where um, she goes to borrow um, a Jaguar, uh, Mira Sorvino does, from the uh, shop manager. And then they, uh, she, he wants her to have sex with him. And he says, she says, I'm not going to have sex with you just to borrow, you know, just borrow a car. And so what they do is they close the blinds and everything and they fake it. And I'm walking by and I hear the noises coming out of the, out of the, um, out of the room. And I go up to the glass, and I'm there, and then I'm like, "Oh man, they're doing it in there, you know." So I call over the other guy, Deezer D, who was actually played uh, on ER. He was one of the guys. He was one of the main characters on ER. This was one of his first, uh, you know, first role because he had CB4 with Chris Rock. Okay. Um, before that. And then um, several other guys. And we were just doing this scene to where we're like sitting there getting off on these guys having sex behind this glass. And what we did and what they actually put on television was completely, you know, they they cut it down because we were getting all <laughs> they were touching on me and Ro- it really came out really funny. But they cut it down to to not let us dominate that little scene more than they wanted. Well, oh, oh, sorry. sorry. What was going on inside of the, the room? So that was my my first little part and then I got um after that I got some commercials and then I got home improvement. What was your commercials? But do you remember what they're for? Uh yeah. Uh first one I got was a voiceover for Levi's and it was uh the Levi's commercial that was going on it was called Double Stitch for Extra Strength and it was a claymation commercial and it had uh Shaggy Mr. Lover Lover. Mm, they call me Mr. Boomboss. They had that going on. And all I said was double stitched for extra strength at the end of the commercial. And I made some crazy money off See, of that. Crazy. It's crazy. And now, had you ever done voiceovers before? <laughs> Never done it. I just went in and they said, and I didn't think they were going to even pick it. You know, I'm like, he says, okay, say it again like this. Okay, deliver it like this. Okay, do it like this. And I just kept saying it. I did it with an accent. I did it straight. And they ended up picking my straight voice instead of the Jamaican accent that they wanted me to do. And I was like, holy crap. Then after that, I did like a Maxwell House commercial. And that was a very surreal moment because I did that one up in um, Lake Castaic. And I still remember it. it was called Oars. Me and my girlfriend or wife are laying out in the boat in a little, like a, ro- a paddle, a rowboat. In the in commercial. The, in the commercial, laying out. And we both napped. And it, it shows hers, dozed off, shows me snoozing and I'm snoring. And then I wake up and realize we're in the middle of the lake and the oars have skipped off and just drifted away from the boat. And it was like, um, that. oh, crap, I, don't, I can't remember what it had to do with Maxwell House Coffee. But what was surreal about it, I was laying there when they were filming and I'm laying on my back and I'm looking up right, the camera's right in my face. And it was one of those Panavision cameras that you always see in television. Okay. And that was actually before Romy and Michelle. So I was like, look at this, I'm doing this. I mean, this is a Panavision camera right in my face and I'm the principal. And so that was uh, one of those those giddy kind of moments I had. And um and then I did quite a few after that for cellular companies and pizza and did people start getting to know your face like casting directors be like okay we oh, yeah. want that guy we want a uh, Kiwi we want or the guy like what was your what was your 
cast as? Were you like a, a father or were you a boyfriend or did they say, you know, Never we need a, a lawyer or what, or what? Or crazy guy or what would they say? Um, no, I never had, I didn't get put in as any any type at any particular um, time. It was always comedy. It was always comedy. Okay. And, but there was no dads. I could never play a dad back then because I looked too well, young. Okay. I did home improvement. I played a, uh, I went in for, a parti- for another part. And when I got there, they went, great job, but you're too young to play this part. I mean, you look too young to play this. I was like, what? I'm old. You know, I was old enough. Right. But they say, you look too young to be next to Tim and these other guys who are these military guys. And so they said, okay, we got another part that we think you'd be great for. And that's when they gave me the part of a naval officer who was um, where I wasn't in that particular scene. And then when I saw it, I said, yeah, I wouldn't have looked right. I would right. have looked like a, a child, you know, among those guys. So that's how I got that part now then you started after that just getting smaller parts in different shows yeah now were you still doing a lot of stand-up or you- oh yeah okay. still working my butt off um i i was in acting class and i started realizing that okay i had a sherry franklin was one of my acting coaches and she was very intense and very much about the work get the script and you break it down everything what's the what's your motivation she says do the work on the script break it down and you had different aspects about this character and what's going on in the scene and everything and i and i used to we used to why is all you know acting blah blah and it wasn't until i got out of her class that it all freaking hit me i was like i know what she meant now you know i didn't get it while i was in there and it was after uh then i got in with brian reese where it was basically you do the work. You go in there, get the scene, okay, let's let's do it. And get up on the stage and do it. And and after I finished that, I started booking more work after I stopped going to acting class. And then I was like, I need to go back. I want to stay fresh in that sense. But I booked so much stuff and it was just like I'm getting it. I knew how to be comfortable. I knew what the I knew what they were looking for. And then I started learning how to just be conversational and not act. Right. And it's just being in that moment, you know, listen and respond. And that's basically how do you respond? And it's what's going on. It's just like our conversation right now. You know, you ask me a question. I, I don't think about it. And I'm, it's not scripted. It's coming out. And so I remember booking um, Drew Carey's show and Diagnosis Murder. And Is that what Klugman? Uh, Diagnosis Murder. No, that was Dick Van Dyke. Dick Van Dyke and, uh, and, uh, yeah. and uh, Scott Bayo. Uh, no, it was um, oh. Dick Van Dyke and what's his name? Um, Let me look. Oh. Yeah, you got to look. I can't remember. It was I can't. Remember. It was his son, Jerry Van Dyke was on there. I mean, his brother. Well, Jerry had guest appearances on there, but I'm trying to think of the young guy. But you had um, Charlie uh, Schlater. Charlie Schlater, okay. right? Right. He was on there, and there's a few other people. Um, but there's a guy who played an Airwolf also. I can't remember. But um. I booked both those in the same week, and Drew Carey's was a was a a coast a guest a co-star. Diagnosis Murder was my first guest star, and that was only a day shoot for a, for um, Drew Carey. But they didn't want me to do uh, they they neither one wanted me to do both. Okay, and I was like, wow, I had the time, 
But you and had to, you, we went with the guest star. I'm yeah, guessing. I definitely. Yeah. Know, I had it. That was so cool, man, to see on the opening credits on a television show. Right. And I saw him. I was like, oh, man, that was another real cool moment. So, so you sat there, you were doing this acting. And now, when you stopped doing colleges, okay, you decide I can't take it anymore. What did you, what, at that point, what did you want your concentration to be? Because you're already making bank from doing the colleges, and it's been 10 years of your life. So yeah. it's like anything, if you do something for a long time and you stop, you must sit there and go, what the hell? It's like, because you have all that, that's 100 days a year, you're not traveling. I mean, right. you're not doing going through the gruel. I mean, I, I bet physically you felt a lot better. Well, it was a good answer. There's an answer for that, too. I was doing well. I was living right here in Hollywood off of a Hollywood Boulevard in Fuller, and I had my my bachelor apartment it was top floor and view of the city had my freaking Porsche 930 convertible <laughs> you know and I was single you know because I had I got went through a divorce and back way before I had even started uh, the amateur thing and uh so I'm doing one of them like thinking I'm dating and doing all that stuff and I gotta settle down so I frank I meet this freaking nightmare <laughs> what it ended up being uh, my second wife um, introduced uh, by her mom through my, my her mom was dating my old, my older brother and I was like uh, in retrospect you know it's just it was all bad but um, you know I got with her things moved way too fast moved from Hollywood moved to a bigger place she had a daughter and um, from there on what was it from 2000 to 2002 uh, married bought a house in Santa Clarita and a lot of comics live up there. Oh yeah, I know. Uh, well, Dennis Reagan's been on the show. He lives. There. Dennis lives up there. DeCrosta, John DeCrosta. Uh, Cro- um, yep. Mark, uh, Ad- Mark Eddy. Mark Eddy lives up there. A friend of mine. I don't know. Do you know Neil Bobel? I know who he is. He's I a good friend. He doesn't do comedy anymore. His wife Sandra Mitchell on KCAL. Oh, I've known Neil for since. 1988. Oh, okay. But he lives up there, and I think Greg, she- Greg Hahn lives up there. If you know Greg, um, it's crazy. It's how the whole heck Don McMillan. Don went. Don's from my hometown. Is he? he? He went to the same high school as me. He graduated with my older sister. He lived wow. in a neighborhood right behind me. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's like he was mm-hmm. on the show a while ago. Yeah, it was weird because I was like, "Wow, Cherry Hill." So, so you moved up to Valencia. So I moved up there. <clears throat> and um, my wife was a. She's a psycho. My ex-wife. She's a psychologist. She was doing. Uh, she just had her bachelor's. I said, you know what? While we were living in Culver City before we bought the house, I said, why don't you just quit that that job? Because she was making maybe 17 bucks an hour or something like that. I said, you go back, get the master's, and take it, you know, do what you want to do. So I took care of her and the daughter before we got, listen, before we got married officially and stuff. And um, she went and got her double master's. And one in marriage and family therapy, and the other one is school um, psychology. So we moved up there. I adopted her daughter. Then we uh, had a, we had gotten married. Then we uh, had another daughter, and then after that, another two, three years, we had a, my first boy, and only boy. And um, then it was like, uh, you know what? She said, "You've been traveling a lot." She says, "Why don't you slow down?" And since I'm working now, and she's making great money, um, take off, take over some of the load, and you can stay. And I was about to go back and go to film school and start doing all that kind of stuff. And hoo, 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 boy, oh, boy, did the tide turn, brother. (laughs) I was still doing my stuff on the road, but we started having our little conflicts and stuff. And, man, this chick had turned into the big nightmare, basically. And lucky I did not quit all the way. I quit the colleges, 
and I had just started doing ships. I had just done my first round of uh, ships for Royal Caribbean, and when I got out of the colleges, I went to the ships and, and blossomed with them, and it was a saving grace because I could have been, you know, not working much at all because I was letting her take care of everything and me be at home, and I would have just lost all the connections out there. But um, it was um, something happened, told me you better better stay out there, and that saved my ass. Now, do you enjoy the ships? Um, I mean, I mean, it's because it's like this. I guess now it's different because you said there's so many shows, so it's not yeah. downtime. No, you before. know what? I don't have a problem with doing 17 shows in a week because I like writing and keeping it fresh. A lot of guys don't want to do that's too many shows. I mean, what are you in the business for? You know, yeah, it would be cool to have a night off or whatever, but you know what? It's like anything. You have a bad set. You can't wait to do that next gig to redeem yourself. And it's always whatever. a different crowd. And it's always, you know, you get a lot of repeat people. And, I mean, you've, the, the, the club holds 120. So you got 6,300 people on the ship. So that's why you do so many. But then they do a big show in the main theater, which holds 1,600 at the end of the week. And, but that's a family show. So... You know, you they all get to see the show one way or another. But, you know, people want to see Dirty. You'd be amazed how many people want the Dirty. Yeah, you're on a cruise. You know, yeah. out, you know it's, yeah, it's the thing. They want the Dirty. I'm like, oh, I said, no, 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 I'm not going to go Dirty. I said, I'll say a couple of expletives here and there. I said, but I'm not going to be, you know, it's not, I'm not a blue comic. Right. Um, but I send people away with a, a good message in my, and funny, and poignant, and kind of in your face, you know. Um and and it's a fun it's a fun gig for me. Now, what's the food you eat with the regular the the passengers? Or mm-hmm. You eat with the staff. I am a guest entertainer. Okay. On Royal Caribbean on Carnival, they're they're called fly on entertainers, and they become part of crew. So you got to eat in the crew mess and stuff. And they they're a little strict on. Uh, they've gotten even stricter on Carnival. I I couldn't I couldn't hang with Carnival, man. It was just their boats are always it, breaking it, down. Dude, no, but it was just <laughs> nasty in the cabins and stuff. Royal, they've got some ships that are older, but at least you're in a place you got a you got a window all the time. You know, a cabin with a, a window or a portal, and then on the big ships you got a big a nice cabin. Um, carnival was something. I did two carnival ships, and on the third one I got off the ship. I said I can't work for you guys, and I, I just bailed out. I, I it was just I said you want me to be professional and represent your company professionally and this is the way you right. treat us right i'm like nah i know several people who said i can't work i can't do it so how many cruises do you do a year uh this year i have 19 now it's are they for a week at a pop yeah they're a week at a time now you ever just get tired of the sea dude you get tired of the caribbean uh you get tired of airports and and you get tired of all this other cultures that don't have the same respect and 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 what is it? Um, what am I say? We have in, in our country. You, you can say thank you, excuse me, and all that. Kind of, man, you see so much in these different cultures that it's just crazy. Drive I can imagine you absolutely batshit. I mean, the food. People touch food and then lick their fingers and go back and touch. They grab the food, look at it, and put it back. Uh, ah, you it, know, I went on a cruise once, and it always it it sort of 
it seems sounds weird, but they have like that midnight feast or whatever. Oh yeah. But they start setting it up at like eight o'clock. Mm-hmm. But they put sushi out at eight o'clock. Now I'm not going to sit there. I love sushi, but you're not going to eat sushi. It's been sitting out no. in four hours under the lights. I don't know what cruise you were on, but they wouldn't. I've never done one where they put sushi out. I, I was I was actually at, as a, a guest on the cruise. Oh, were you? Yeah. It was, and they did it at eight. Wow. Well, they started setting it up early. Not um, yeah, but it was crazy. So um, now. You uh, you write a lot. You said yeah. Now now you how do you know you know Todd? You've been writing stuff with Todd Sawyer. Yeah. Now how do you know Todd? Todd and I actually hooked up. Uh, where we did a college together, and um, I looked at him. Um, he opened for me at this college. I forget where we were, somewhere in the, in the Midwest. And um, after I approached him, I said, "Man, I said you ever? I said you do any writing?" I asked him. I said, "He said yeah, I do some writing." I said, so maybe we ought to hook up and uh, do collaborate on some writing stuff and. I said, buddy filmed or something. He says, oh, but I got an idea. And then we started writing on a different idea. And um, that's how it started. And then that became freaking wow. Year, like five years uh, writing. We had a script we wrote called Brothers and Sisters. It was basically a black animal house. Okay. And we took the idea to my agent and to Jim Kellum. And he loved the idea. And he says, okay, we took a treatment. He says, write me a script. We, we popped out a script in like a week. And he says, love it, but you got a lot of problems with the script. He said, I'm going to send you somebody who's going to help you out with, you know, getting the, the format of the script and everything right. And we did this junk, and we got it back to them, and they went nuts. And he says, we're going to do a mass freaking um, send out on this. And everybody got the script and boy it was like hot 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 another one of those hot moments right right everybody's interested and then you had a handful okay we'd like to do this one and then fizzle 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 fizzle, and it's kept drop but this was one script that would would not die it kept coming back somebody would come back and say hey you guys still have the script yeah okay we'd like to uh meet with you guys on this and changes we made to it and do it and it would get hot heat again and then fizzle 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 and it did that like four, four or five times. Never sold? Never sold. Never optioned? Never optioned. We got close to an option one time, and then Todd finally said, you know what? We can't do this anymore for no money. Todd, right. I was making money. Todd, see, Todd was doing what I couldn't do. I, Todd would sit around and write, take little jobs, odd jobs and stuff, and he had his, his wife at the time, so she was also picking up slack. But at that particular time, it was just me. And so I had to make my income. I was divorced. I had child support to pay. And I had expensive freaking taste. So I had to pay for those bills. So plus I had the the work. I had the the ability to get the work. Whereas Todd wasn't getting as much work as I was at that time. And so I was going out working. And so, you know, um, I was doing what I had to do. And. Todd stayed around, and now he's making his thing in writing because that's what he wanted to do. And he just sold a project, and he's about to get paid. And I'm happy for him. And he uh, just we just finished uh, um, collaborating on an email just recently, and I guess he's back in Thailand or somewhere. That's his new spot. Thailand. Thailand. Oh, he loves the Thailand. (laughs) Oh, that's funny. That's just weird. The Bangkok in particular. So now, do you still are you do you still work on projects, or do you you, or is that something you just concentrate on comedy? Or dude, I still work on. I work on projects. I've been working with some guys. I just filmed this little um, comedy thing uh, just last week, actually, with some friend of mine at a um, 
parking lot productions there in Encino. Uh, I got involved with so many different shows. I was hosting this one show for uh, Right Network. And Right Network was about to be a startup. And they were going to be like Fox. And everybody was telling me, oh, it's going to label you as a conservative. I said, if working for them, it's going to label me. I said, no, you're going to see what I do. Because, yeah, while I have conserv- conservative ideas, I also am liberal in certain areas. Okay, liberal in certain areas. So I just like, you know, I'm doing this show. And it wasn't a, po- a political show. It was just funny, funny, funny. And that's all we were about. So I did that. Then I got to meet a whole bunch of people. And, I, and that branched off to other freaking shorts and I've been doing little vignettes of things. Even even keep it busy, staying doing busy, some, doing some acting and stuff yeah. like that. Because I mean, it's funny. Everyone like it's because that's what's great now is you you can do a short so easily mm-hmm. that you know it's not like the old days where it would cost a lot of money. Right now, you can get a camera and you can pop it on YouTube and it can be seen. Bingo! And then you know people sit there and they get something. I mean, there's so much crap on YouTube. It is. I mean, there's and so much good stuff that's not seen. And then there's right. like the girl going sitting on a toilet. Bingo! Sitting on a, and it's like and it's got like two million hits. You go, she's. And you're like, wait. And then there's some great, like, little piece. You go, have you seen this? No. Or some animated right. stuff. Just any of that stuff. So what do you, what do you, what's up in the next year? What do, you, what do you want to hit in the next year? What do you um, in the next year, I'm planning on working on, I'm trying to get off the road as much. Staying okay. around town. I love stand-up. Never will ever give up stand-up. I mean, you know, you know, people say, oh, acting and stuff. Yeah, you get an acting. I will never give up stand-up. It's, it's what got me here. It's, it's my passion. I love being on stage. And so that's first and foremost. And everything else is secondary to that. I'm a big family man. I'm huge with my family. So, you know, spending much time. I got a, ta- a daughter at high school. She's a track star. She's kicking butt. And then kids, my little ones are doing great in martial arts and track. And so I'm just loving the kids and doing, loving what, doing what I do. Did you get up to sit in, in, in the area and in town at all? Or, or oh, yeah. Like, where, do you, where are some of the places you hit? Um, Comedy Magic Club, Hermosa, okay. uh, Ice House, Pasadena. Uh, Ice House is such a great place. I, I was just it. I was in the small room on a Saturday night with Fritz Coleman, and um, the crowds are just so good there. Like, and if you when you're in the main room, if you don't do well, mm-hmm. you shouldn't be in comedy because it's it's the room. They're just they're groomed. They're right. so groomed because it's been years and they're not Absolutely. idiots and they're not bringer shows and just people come and they see a great show and they just laugh they're see, there they're there to laugh no. when i met you that's what i was doing i was doing that main room oh, yeah, okay night. and then i saw met you you were doing the the, the, yeah. the annex at night right yeah 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 and i've only done the annex once and it was a showcase for a friend of mine and they, it was fun they redid it too i, yeah. I know you I heard it, but it's nice it's smaller the, mm-hmm. the main room's great though but um but yeah, so uh, any cruises coming up? Well, your website, your website is uh, kivirogers.com, people. Correct. That's K-I-V-I-R-O-G-E-R-S. People ever mistake it and spell R-O-D-G-E-R-S. Oh, yeah. I get that every time, and I correct it. Because it's just weird, because yeah. yeah. you're, you're not sure. Because I, I think Aaron Rodgers is, he's... He's a D. Yeah, so everyone, yeah. and that's the Rodgers they see. Yeah, like, one is a D, one is German, and one is actually British. Well, which is which? is Mine which? is British. No, was that Mr. Rodgers? Was he a G? Uh, he was a, he, no, he was R-O-G. Yeah, he's okay. ROG, yeah. So you know, you got you got, you got Mr. Rogers. Yeah, there. and uh, are you are you on uh, are you on the Twitter? Uh, yeah, tweet, tweet, Twitter, uh, Kiwi Rogers. Uh, what else? What's the Twitter at, thing? <laughs> at Kiwi Rogers. Same, at Kiwi Rogers. Yeah. K i v i r o g e r s. And uh, what's your next show coming up? Uh, what am I doing? What is this week? It's, oh, this weekend. Uh, no, I'm I'm gonna be at the um, uh, Chinook Winds Casino in in Lincoln City, Oregon. 
Chinook wins? Yeah, it's no. an India casino. What night's that? Friday, Saturday? Or? That's going to be, I'm home for a, a minute, and I got, that's going to be August uh, 1st, 2nd, 3rd. All right. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. Oh, thank man, it's it my pleasure. It's cool. So, uh, so, yeah, people check them out, Kiwi Rogers, K-I-V-I-R-O-G-E-R-S.com. Also, people, you can check, uh, follow me on Twitter, at Cooper Talk. And also, you send me an email, cooper at indie100, I-N-D-I-E-100.com. Uh, listen to uh, my friend's show uh, on uh, WSDICHicago.com. They air me on Wednesday, but you're listening to this, so you already heard it. Also, go to uh, <laughs> go to my website, coopertalk.net. There's about 170 episodes up. Also, if you go on Facebook, go to Facebook. I just created a fan page. So you go to just type in Cooper Talk, one word, and then you go to the photo album, and there's about 150 photos up there. And when you click on the photo of somebody you like, you can click on the link, and it goes straight there. Uh, to the episode they've been on. Also, follow me on uh, iTunes and Twitter, uh, iTunes and Stitcher. It's uh, Cooper Talk One Word. And also listen for me every usually every Thursday on WIP 94 Sports Radio Philadelphia at midnight Pacific Coast time on the Big Daddy Graham Show. I'm always talking Hollywood for about 15 minutes. So you guys have a great weekend. I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. And it's time for me to get lunch.